And this morning, um, I'm going to be talking about being kind to one another. Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Now, we're not going to um, dig into this area on tender-heartedness because in the Greek language, that word uh, uh, tender-hearted actually means um, to have strong bowels. So I'm going to leave your bowels alone this morning. We're not going to venture there. We'll look at your bowels um, on another occasion. We're just going to focus in on this little phrase here, uh, be kind to one another. A man by the name of Henry uh, James wrote, three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. Can I get the drift? Kindness is incredibly important. Now, this is my, my definition of kindness. Kindness is doing something good for someone, not because you have to, or because they deserve it, but it's doing good for someone just because you can. Um, one of the most amazing um, acts of kindness that I've personally experienced was when Louise was um, seven months pregnant uh, with our first uh, child, Nathaniel, and we were travelling from the UK, coming back to Australia to have, have, uh, have uh, our, our first bub, and we had a stopover in America to catch up with um, some of our good friends, Joanne and Doug. And while we were staying with them, Joanne and Doug organised a surprise uh, birthday shower and what that, sorry? Baby shower. Baby shower. Did I say birth, birthday shower? Baby shower. And they invited all their friends, people that we had never met. They were complete strangers to us who all came around for this baby shower. And um, they came and they were amazing. They brought all of these fantastic gifts. And it was overwhelming as these people that we didn't know and we were never likely ever to meet again brought us gifts for our child and it was this amazing thing of someone doing something good for someone and the someone happened to be us not because they had to not because we deserved it but just because they could 1 Corinthians 13 4 says love is kind and I like to suggest to you this morning that kindness is simply love in action. What is kindness? Kindness is love in action. And kindness for me is those small, simple, everyday and inexpensive ways that we can demonstrate love to those who are around us. And so kindness is, as um, uh, Clint suggested this morning, is just praying for someone. It's um, smiling and saying hello. It's listening to someone and just giving them a voice. It's uh, paying for someone's coffee when you, they realize they don't have enough money in their pocket and it's just offering to pick up the tab for them. It's sending a message to a friend uh, to let them know that you're thinking about them. It's giving someone a compliment or a word of encouragement. It's opening the door for someone. 
or standing up on the tram and vacating your seat. Now, my daughter wouldn't agree with that for a man to do that, that, that for a woman. She considers that to be chivalry and a, a way of um, enforcing male domination. So I'm not sure about that one, but I'm still of that school where I still open the door for people, whether they're male or female, and I like to vacate my seat for people who are older than me. Not that there's that many of them around these days, but, you know, when I do spot somebody... It kind of makes me feel good about myself to be young. Um, Kindness is biting your tongue when you'd like to say something harsh. And you might have heard of um, the saying, you've got to be cruel to be kind. Sometimes kindness is when we have to say something to someone that might be a little bit tough but we say it because it's going to help them in the long run. Or we, have, we do something that might be a little bit painful in the short term, but the results will be something beneficial for them. You know, um, Lou and I were chatting about this, and she suggested the example of a splinter. You know, you remove a splinter, it's going to be painful, but the long-term benefits are good. You know, and as parents, we know what it's like to be cruel, to be kind. Sometimes... To be kind to our kids, we've got to say no to them because it's going to be beneficial for them in the long run. Mark Twain said, Kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. That's pretty pretty impressive. See, people notice and they appreciate kindness. And I believe that nothing opens people's ears and eyes to God and the gospel more than kindness. St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. You know, I think what undermines our proclamation of the gospel more than anything is it's not backed up by kind words and kind actions. The Dalai Lama said, uh, my religion is very simple. My religion is kindness. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. You see, if our faith and our, or our religion is not expressed in kindness, then I'm not sure whether we can rightfully claim to be Christian. Because God is kind and we are called to be kind. So I'm sure that we all know people who by nature are just naturally kind. You know, if you think of someone, you know that. You just, they're just, just kind. And then I'm sure that there are people in your world who are not kind. And um, how come? How come there are people just, who seem just to be naturally kind? And there are others who are unkind. Is it because some people have a kindness gene, they were just fortunate enough to be born with this kindness gene, and others haven't? Well, I want to suggest to you that people who are kind have actually worked at it, that they've cultivated kindness in their lives, and they've exercised and they've developed this attribute, while those who are unkind actually just haven't put in the hard yards to develop kindness. And that's why I think it's really helpful for us to think about kindness as being like 
a muscle. Kindness is like a muscle. And because kindness is like a muscle, every one of us can strengthen and grow in our capacity to express kindness to other people. Are you with me this morning? Good, 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 good. Okay, so kindness is central to um, God's nature. God is fundamentally kind, and everything that God does is an expression of that kind. God is love, and love is kind. And therefore, God, God is the kindest person we will ever meet. We're not going to meet anyone who is more kind than God. There's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah 63. It says, I will tell of the kindnesses, plural. There's a lot, there are lots of aspects of God's kindness. The deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. Many kindnesses. When people think of you, do they think of your many kindnesses? Just stop and think about that for a moment. When people think of you, do they think, wow, he's, she is such a kind person. Jesus said, our Father is kind, now you be kind. Our Father is kind now, you go and you be kind. And 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, always try and be kind to each other. That's us as a church community. And then it goes on to say, and to everyone. Be kind to one another. We need to be kind uh, to one another in a church community, but it needs to go beyond just one another, and it is to be inclusive of everyone. So let's look at um, who the everyones are that we are commanded to be kind to. Number one, we're called to be kind to those who are close to us. Kindness starts at home. I think we should uh, practice the art of kindness with our spouse and with our kids, and those with whom we're in regular contact with. There's a psychologist by the name of um, John Gottman, and he spent uh, four decades studying thousands of couples to figure out what makes relationships work. And this man, Gottman, can pr predict um, uh, with up to 94% certainty whether a couple will break up or stay together, whether they'll be happy or unhappy in their relationship. 94%. He can predict as to whether a relationship will be successful or unsuccessful. And he's been able to do that because he discovered that relational success comes down to one thing, and that's whether couples are kind and generous toward one another. And he says that kindness is the most significant predictor of satisfaction and stability in a marriage and family. And he says that kindness is like a glue which holds couples and families together. Wow, it's pretty simple, isn't it? 
pretty simple. Successful relationships come down to one key factor, being kind, being nice. Secondly, uh, we're called to be kind to strangers. In Hebrews 13 verse 2, it says, Don't forget to extend your hospitality to all, even to strangers. For as you know, some have unknowingly shown kindness to angels in this way. Um, when um, asked by the BBC to identify the defining moment in his life, um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, this handsome-looking guy up here, the great South African um, uh, church leader and sp- uh, spokesman, uh, statesman, spoke of the day he and his mother were walking down the street and a tall white man dressed in a black suit came walking towards them. And little Desmond was nine years old at the time uh, when the apartheid system was uh, deeply entrenched within South African society. And under apartheid, uh, when a black person and a white person met on a footpath, it was expected that the black person was to step aside to allow the white person to uh, pass by first. And they were also required to uh, take off their hat and, and as a sign of acknowledgement of respect. I don't know about you, but that just... In, in our lifetime... That was people's lived experience. It's just appalling. On the basis of a person's skin, that how they were treated. It's just, I can't get my head around that. But on one particular day, this little nine-year-old boy, Desmond, and his mother, um, as this, as this uh, tall white man was walking towards them, this white man stood aside and allowed them to walk by. And he took off his hat and he nodded in respect of them. And that white man was uh, a man by the name of Trevor Huddleston. He was an Anglican priest who was bitterly opposed to apartheid. And Desmond Tutu said it was that moment that changed his life. And his mother explained to him that Trevor Huddleston was a man of God. And in that moment, Desmond Tutu found his life calling. And this is what he said to the BBC. When she told me that he was an Anglican priest, I decided there and then that I wanted to be an Anglican priest too. And what is more, I wanted to be a man of God. Isn't that amazing? See, we never know the impact of one simple act of kindness can have on a stranger's life. Uh, Aesop and the, uh, the lion and the mouse said, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Number three, the third group of people that we're to express kindness to is to the poor. In Proverbs 19.17 it says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and God will pay back what he has given. Um, one of my favourite um, Christian leaders and thinkers and authors is a, is a man by the name of Tony Campolo. 
And he tells the story of a friend of his called Claire, who was a Presbyterian minister in uh, Bel Air in California. Who would like a gig like that? Who would like to be a pastor in Bel Air in California? Pick me, pick me. Um, no, actually, the peninsula is nice too. It's good here. So Bel Air is the home of, um, of movie stars and the, and the ultra-wealthy. It's a lot like the peninsula. And um, there's this um, department store in Bel Air called Nordstrom's. And each Christmas, um, this lady Claire uh, would go to get, a, get a, a Nordstrom's shopping bag and she would fill it with tissue paper um, to make it look like that she was um, shopping um, there. But in reality, um, she couldn't afford it. And she just liked to go into that store just to kind of soak up the ambience at Christmas time. And one of her, uh, Claire's, uh, trips to Nordstrom's, uh, she was on the top floor where the most expensive dresses were sold. And as she was there, the lift doors opened and out stepped a destitute lady in ragged, dirty clothes. And Claire fully expected a security guard to uh, come up to this woman to usher out of the store because it was obvious that she was not the kind of person who could afford to buy anything at Nordstrom's. But instead of a security guard, there was this tall, very stately, elegant saleswoman who went up to this uh, homeless woman and asked her, Can I help you, madam? Yes, yeah, said the woman in a gruff voice, I want a dress. Sounded like a, a man dressed in women's clothing there. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> what kind of dress, said the saleswoman? A, par a party dress was the answer. Well, you've come to the right place, the saleswoman replied. We have the finest dresses in the world. And the two women looked over uh, the dresses as, as they talked about which coloured dress would suit her eyes and her hair. And after about uh, 10 minutes of discussion, they picked two dresses off the rack. And the saleswoman said to this uh, very dishevelled lady, uh, please follow me, madam. I want you to try on these dresses to see how you look in each of them. And Claire was flabbergasted. She knew the salesman, saleswoman must have realised that this homeless lady didn't have the money to buy either of the dresses. And so when the two women went into uh, the dressing room to try on the clothes, this lady Claire couldn't help herself. She went into the changing room next to her and she put her ear up against the wall to hear the conversation that was taking place. And after a while, the homeless lady said, I've changed my mind, I'm not going to buy a dress today. And the saleswoman said, well, that's quite all right, madam, but I'd like you to take my card. Should you come back to Nordstrom, I would consider it both a privilege and a pleasure to wait on you again. And after this interaction, uh, Claire went over to the sales lady to ask what it was, what was that all about? And as she drew close, she realised what had prompted her to treat someone with such kindness. On her blouse was a little pin with four letters on it. W-W-J-D. What would Jesus 
do. And this sales lady had obviously figured out how Jesus would treat the poor. And that was with kindness. And so the challenge for us is, how are we expressing kindness to those who are poor? Number four, we're to be kind to our enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good and land, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the highest. For God is kind to the thankful and the evil. I've shared this um, story before, but it's one of those profound moments in my own uh, walk with God that's left an indelible mark upon my life. Um, Louise and I were in Bible college together, and um, uh, we'd met and fell in love, and we were going to get married. And being Bible college students, we had no money, so I went out and got a job. This is how much I loved this lady. I went out and got a job making um, screen doors, aluminium screen doors. Now, anyone who knows me knows that um, me and building work and any form of practical stuff just don't... Give me books and ideas and all that sort of stuff, I'm fine. But give me a hammer and a screwdriver and a saw. I don't know what to do, but I, I love this lady so much. I had to go and get a job, and so I got a job making screen doors. Now, I'm working in this factory by myself, and I have a boss, and uh, his name was Dick. And um, I'm sure that Dick would drive into work on a morning thinking, how can I make Stephen's life really miserable today? Because <laughs> he would just come in, and just before I'd done anything, he would be giving me a hard time. And it was just awful. I'm doing something that I hated, that I wasn't very good at. And this man was just uh, obsessed about being unkind. And I remember working at my desk, hammering together a screen door. And then, you know how you have conversations in your mind, you talk to yourself, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, oh, if I'd worked in this place for a year, I, wouldn't, I would not invite this man to my wedding. In fact, if I worked in this place for two years, I would not invite this man to my wedding. If I were here for five years, ten, I would not invite this man to my wedding. And then I heard a voice. I'm saying, I would never invite this man to my wedding. And then I heard a voice saying, that's funny. I've invited him to mine. Oh, my gosh. So there's a wedding banquet, and everyone's welcome. The invitation has gone out to everyone, regardless of who they are, what they look like, what they've done. Jesus says, hey, I'm having a party. Uh, it's called the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you have got an invite, and you can come along, and you can participate. How good is that? And God said to me, hey, you can't even invite this guy to your wedding. I would love to be able to tell you that I invited Dick to my wedding. <laughs> I didn't. But it gave me a great story. 
But we're called to be kind to the people that are unkind to us. And that's hard and it's painful, but it's how God is wired. And Jesus said, your father is kind. Now you go and be kind. And the number five, uh, we're to be kind to ourselves. You know, some of us are kind to everybody else. We're kind to people who are close to us. We're kind to strangers. We're, we're kind to the poor. We're kind to our enemies. But we are sometimes so hard upon ourselves. And we would give the shirt off our back to everybody else, but we would never think of treating ourselves and lavishing kind words or uh, kind thoughts or kind gestures on ourselves and just being treating ourselves and just doing something special for us. And you know what? We can also have, we have permission from God to be kind to ourselves. There's uh, Matthew 11, verse 30. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is not. That word there, easy, actually in the Greek language in which the New Testament is written, is actually the word kind. Jesus says, my yoke is kind. And the, the, a yoke is that wooden um, brace that joins two um, oxen together. And what a farmer does is a farmer would take an, take an older ox uh, and place it, harness it together, brace it together with uh, a, a, a younger ox. And what would happen is the older ox, the, the ox that was strong, the ox that had experience actually carried the bulk of the weight. It was kind. It looked like the young ox was kind of carrying the weight, but it wasn't. The old ox was carrying the weight because that was the one that was strong and capable. And over time... They kind of adjusted the, the, um, the yoke so that as the inexperienced and young, young ox grew in capacity, that they could carry more weight. And Jesus says, you know, you are joined together with me. And my yoke is kind. You know what? I, I go easy on you. I go easy on you. I, I don't put expectations on you that you can't carry or that you can't handle. And some of us are sitting here this morning and we placed expectations and burdens and weights upon ourselves that God has no expectation that we would ever meet. Because he understands our weaknesses, he understands our capacity. And God says, I go easy on you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light because I understand you. I know how you're wired. I know what you're capable of. And please, if I go easy on you, would you go easy on yourself? Stop being so hard on you. That's good news, isn't it? Came to church this morning. There's some good news. Go easy on yourself. Be kind to yourself. In the Hobbit, 
So we've had Aesop. We've had, uh, who else did we have? The Dalai Lama. We've had Mark Twain. Now we've got Gandalf in The Hobbit. Tolkien's great work. And Gandalf says, Saruman believes it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I have found it is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. We live in a world that is sometimes pretty dark. And if we want to keep that darkness in our world at bay, be kind. If you want to keep the darkness at bay in your life, be kind. If you want to keep the darkness at bay in your marriage and in your family, be kind. And if we want to keep the darkness at bay in church, be kind to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, Always try and be kind to each other and to everyone. Kindness is a muscle. Let's make a commitment this morning to strengthen that kindness muscle in our lives. Amen? Amen. May you have a reputation. May Bayview have a reputation for being a place of kindness. Amen?